Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. Okay, that's it. We're going to talk about the last uh, in in our series of messages on generosity. A few weeks ago, we asked the question, can I trust God? Can I trust God with everything? Can I trust Him with my life? Can I trust Him with my, with my time? Can I trust Him with every area of my life? And then last week, we asked the question, can God trust us? Can God trust us with the, with the resources that He's entrusted us with, with the time that He's entrusted us with, with our talents and abilities that He's entrusted us with? Can, can God trust us to be faithful stewards of that? And today, and we've been leading up to this, um, we're going to be calling this today the trust test. And so I'm excited that you're here. We had so many people come up to us after the first service and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm I'm excited. I'm committed to it. And and I'm just, I'm excited that you're excited. So hopefully you will be uh, at the end of this service. We're really going to work through today this whole issue of trust and how we as God's people uh, uh, how we deal with this issue of trust. Um, the trust test is unlike any other test in that, in that it's a two-way test. It's a two-way test. And um, the, it's, the, it's at the trust test line that we either grow spiritually by crossing it and saying, yes, God, I'm going to trust you, or we shrivel back and, and because of fear and, and, you know, we miss out on some of the things that God has for us, the potential that's there all because we're unwilling to let God take control of our life. And so, you know, some of the things that God's going to put his finger on in your life, um, I want you just to be open and just say, God, speak to me, challenge me, change me. And, uh, and I know that you're going to leave here today challenged, but you're going to leave here free and, and blessed. So we're going to look at the word trust, T-R-U-S-T. Each of those letters are going to mean something, and we're going to take a jet tour through this, so fasten your seat belts. Number one, take an inventory. Take an inventory. Um, when I years ago, when I was in the field of plumbing, and don't ask me to come and put a water heater in for you. I don't do that anymore. But um, I was in the field of plumbing, and then for many years I worked in a plumbing store, and so I hated the fact that every year you had to do an inventory, and you'd get your yellow legal pads out, and you'd have to literally go to every bin in that store, pull out every single fitting, and count it, and write it down. Nowadays, we don't have to do that anymore. You know, it's all computerized. If you sell a fitting, it's going to show that you're one less fitting in stock. So you guys are, it's easy today. I'm old school. In those days, it was, it was tough. So we need to be asking God um, the bottom line question, um, God, by my actions, am I really trusting you in all areas of my life? God, I give you permission to do an inventory of my life. And I don't know about you, but that kind of makes me nervous. But it's a, it's a fair question to ask. If we're going to give it all to God, we're going to trust Him with everything, it's a fair question to ask. David, uh, in, in Psalm 139, said this. He said, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. And put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there's any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways, the path that brings me back to you. That's pretty honest. And that's one thing 
that God loved about David was even though he was a flawed man and he made some horrible decisions, God says, he's a man after my own heart. And, and David was always saying, God, speak to me and, and, and challenge me. So there's some observations that I want to make from this verse. The first one is that only God knows everything about us. Your spouse doesn't even know everything about you. Your best friend doesn't even know everything about you. But God knows everything about you. And I feel like David is, is basically, you know, saying, Lord, I don't even know what's in there. Examine my heart. Point out things that I'm not even aware that are there. Lord, I don't even know what I'm thinking half of the time. Look deep into my heart and show me the areas that are painful in my life that, that I'm walking on that, that, that I don't need to be walking on. And so he's asking God to help him take an inventory. The other thing that I see in this is that taking an inventory and trusting God begins with me. The whole issue begins with me to do a personal inventory. I have to look at myself and say, how am I doing in this area of trust? Am I really trusting God with all the areas of my life? Proverbs 3 um, says, trust God from the bottom of your heart and don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track and don't assume that you know it all. Run to God, run from evil. Now, what happens when you trust him with all your heart? Your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Your barns will burst. Your wine vats will brim over. There's a blessing in that. And it all starts with a personal inventory. So that's T. Let's look at R. Recognize God is your source. We need to come to a place where we recognize that God is the source of everything. Every breath I take is a gift from God. Every time my heart beats and pumps the blood through my veins, it's a gift from God. Every time I get to go and, and into my career and, and, and do what I do, it's a gift from God. Every time I get to hug my grandkids and love on my children, it's a gift from God. Everything I own, everything I have is a gift from Him. He's the source of it all. And if I continue wrestling with that one thought, I'll wrestle my whole life. If I, if I think somehow I'm responsible for what I have. Because the reality is, is that a car accident or a stroke or something else could, could totally derail you from the path you think you're on. Everything comes from Him. And, and so, recognizing that He knows everything, in Colossians 1, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, we look at the Son and see God who cannot be seen. We look at the Son and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, say everything. Everything above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. He's the source. You, understanding God's principles. This is a big one. We're going to land on this for just a few minutes. Um, there's some stewardship principles that if you can get into your heart now, will change the trajectory of your life, based all based on God's Word. So, uh, one of the one of the principles we're going to blaze through these pretty quick. The who's in charge principle. Who's in charge? Psalm twenty four says the earth and everything that 
is in it belongs to the Lord. The world and its people belong to Him. That pretty much says it all. God's the owner. I'm the manager. That's the deal. And we must ask ourselves, who's going to run my life? And, and when I start to understand that God owns it all, and I'm entrusted, just like uh, Chris and, and Stephanie are trusted with this beautiful baby to raise, they're entrusted with it, but God owns it all. It frees you up because it takes the pressure off you. When you realize there's no stress, it's all God's. So God's going to have to provide, or God's going to have to do this. And it, I mean, it, it, it's a new way of living. If you're so stressed and worried and tight-fisted about things because you're just, you, you just, I have to, I have to work harder to make this work. No, 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 no. You don't have to work harder. Maybe pray a little harder and work a little less. God, God will give you a strategy and God will bless you. And because it's understanding um, who's number one. And then um, the give and, and, and grow principle. The give and grow principle is basically practicing generosity produces growth in your life you'll find your spiritual giftings. It increases your faith because you become spiritually sensitive to faith. When God asks you to do something to bless someone, um, what, you, you can't wait to do it because your faith is at such a level that, that you know that it's not going to decrease anything from you. It's going to bless you, but you're going to be able to bless someone else's life. And it's just such an amazing principle. We become fruitful in God's kingdom. Who doesn't want to be part of building the greatest kingdom in the universe, which is God's kingdom? We get to be a, we get to be a part of that. Um, we receive a blessing from God, but, but listen, I think what's so cool is that we get to be a blessing to others. Don't you want your life to be a blessing to others? And what I love about it as well is that we leave a lasting mark because the things you do now, might change the trajectory of someone else's life, and not only their life, but their descendants, and those are going to come after them. And, and so what you do now will leave a lasting legacy that only heaven will be able to tell you the impact. And so that is so amazing. Then there's the do it now principle, which uh, stewardship starts with the present. Um, it, it deals with the today. And the person that, that, that says, you know, there's going to come a day when I do a great deal of good at one time. <coughs> Guess what? They'll never do anything. Tomorrow, I'm going to do it next week. I'm going to be a blessing. It's never going to happen because there's so many other things that can get in there and mess your schedule up. There's a poem that says, procrastination is my greatest sin. It brings me endless sorrow. I'm going to stop doing it. Perhaps I'll start tomorrow. <laughs> We always talk about God providing. I was joking around in the first service when I first became a believer back in the 80s. Um, sometimes there were certain ways that people would talk, you know, and, and I never understood it, but you'd get to, you know, praise the Lord. They'd be smiling, you know. You knew they just got into a major blowout in the car on the way to church. But they're smiling, praise the Lord, hey, I think, you know. But then they'd go, they'd go, bless God. You got to put the dot on the end of it because it's more powerful and more anointed. I never talk like that, by the way. But 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 you'd get you'd get and, and so I'm making fun of Christians that were before me. But anyway, um, but but you'd always hear this. You'd always hear this. Oh, God will provide. God will provide. It's what you would hear all the time. And my question is, but what about what God has already provided? 
What about the things that he's already blessed you with? That we take for granted, that we that we forget about, that you know, we all, man, if if you've ever been on a missions trip and went to a third world country and you've seen how other people live, the 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 person in this room that might not have the uh, maybe you're in an apartment or you're in a studio apartment or or maybe you're living some but you are rich compared to most people in the world. God has been so good to us when we don't even deserve it. Then there's the fountain of youth principle. And that's the fact that we live forever through our giving. And so uh, it was said that we exist temporarily through what we take, but we live forever through what we give. What, what you do in this world, in, in, in this lifetime, what you invest in, what you are a part of giving away can last for eternity. Then there's the, the who's number one principle. God deserves the first of everything. There's a tendency, because we're human, of giving God our leftovers. Our first, uh, our first always goes to something else, and then whatever's left over, we give to Him. And, and it's, it's, we all wrestle with that. But Jesus said this in Matthew 22. He, said, he was asked the question, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And Jesus answered him, Love the Lord your God, with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you. This is the greatest and supreme commandment. Jesus is saying, my Father wants everything in your life. He wants to be number one in your life. You know, husbands, just try this. Try giving your wife whatever time you have left after the week is over to spend time with her. Um, you, you, you try try giving her, just giving her, just try giving your wife the leftovers and see how you make out. Yeah, it won't work out real well. But when you give your wife the best right off the top, she feels valued, she feels right, right. And so it's the same thing with God. You know, I, God, God has done so much for you and I that he deserves the best that we have. And in Proverbs 3, it says, Glorify God with all your wealth, honoring him with your very best and every increase that comes to you. And a part of that picture is, is, our, is our wealth, is our possessions, is our, is our money that, that, that God has been so gracious to bless us with. Um, and so it's giving him the first and not what's left over. And, and so... A lot of people would say, well, sure, you know, um, if, if I hit the lottery, then I'm going to do a lot for God. No, you're not. You're not going to do it. Yeah, if I just come into some money, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it all to the church or give it all to God. No, you're not. Come on, man. You see, God knows that. And what, what, does, what, does, uh, what does God what, what, I'm sorry, what is Jesus? I just had a 50s moment, man. My, my brain went blank and like, oh, where am I at? I'm at church, okay. Um, <clears throat> when Jesus said, woo, <clears throat> uh, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. That's what Jesus said. And I believe what Jesus was really saying, if I could paraphrase it in 2019 language, I think if Jesus was saying this, I can tell what you love if you just let me see your checkbook and your calendar. 
Now, for those of you that are under 30, a checkbook is a little book that you write checks and pay bills, and then you can keep a little... Okay, you don't know what that is. Um, Google it. You can find pictures of it. <clears throat> Jesus is basically saying that, that I can tell what the priorities are in your life by looking at these things. And, and that's, that's a fair question. Uh, the cheerful attitude principle, which is talking about, um, you know, God loves a cheerful giver, obviously. And so um, I need you to understand that stewardship does not begin with giving. Stewardship begins with loving. And, and so we can give without loving, but we cannot love without giving, right? It all has to do with our love. Love has to be the foundation. And, and if, I, if I don't love God that much, then it's always going to be an issue with me because love will ask, how much can I give? And legalism will ask, how little can I give? And so the, the basis of my stewardship and the management of all the resources that God has given me has got to be based on the fact, like Jesus said, I've got to love him with all my heart and my soul and my mind and my strength. And when I start to live beyond myself and give of my time and my talent to everything and, and even my resources at times, when we begin to live beyond the world of self, it changes our mindset. We suddenly become healthy emotionally and spiritually and mentally and all of that. It's just awesome. Another principle I want to touch on is the big shovel principle. You know that God's shovel is bigger than your shovel? You cannot outgive God. Luke 6 says, Give generously, and generous gifts will be given back to you. Shaken down and make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. Powerful principle. There's the river principle. This is my last one. No, it's not. I've just lied. It's the second to the last one. Our life is to be a river, not a reservoir. Because when water is, is a re when it's in a reservoir and, and, and it's not moving, it can get stagnant, can it? But anything that, that's a river that where there's water flowing through, you, we are conduits for God's kingdom. We are conduits. And there's no greater honor in the world than to be a conduit for God. So we're to let God's power flow through us in, 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 in these five quick areas, through our life, which is what we are, through our lips, which is what we say, through our ministry, which is what we do, through our money, which is what we give, and through our prayers, which is what we pray in, in Jesus' name about. See, this is the deal. You make a living by, by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. It's an amazing principle. And the last principle is the who has whom principle. Until God is in control of my life, I'm out of control. Stewardship is more than the management of things. It's the refusal to let things manage us. That's stewardship. All right, let's keep moving. Two more. Surrender everything to God. That's S. Surrender everything to God. If only I had more, I'd give more. Mm-mm. Luke 16 says, the one who manages the little he has been given with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. But those who cheat with the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. It, it's not the amount. It's what, it's, it's what you have in your hand 
and how faithful you are with that. It's not the amount. Because I, I could never compare with someone who has way more than I do. So it's not the amount. It's percentage-based with God. That means the, the, the playing field is level for everyone. And I love that because it does deal directly with the heart. Who do I trust in? That's the question. Who do I trust in? Do I trust in myself? Do I trust in my, the company that I'm working for? Do I, who, who do I trust in? Jeremiah 17 gives a, a vivid picture of those who trust and those who don't trust. It starts with those who don't trust. It says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. God says, if you're going to rely on yourself, if you're going to rely on man, you're going to be like a, you're going to be like a, a, a tumbleweed blowing through the streets of a, of a town. No roots, no fruit, nothing. But then he goes on to say, but what about the person who trusts me? In the next verse, it says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by the long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. So this is what I want you to get about these two examples. Number one, the circumstances are exactly the same. If there's going to be drought, the drought's going to hit with those that trust and those who don't trust. If there's going to be heat and lack of rain, the, the, the circumstances are exactly the same for both. But the results are vastly different. And lastly, T, testing God's promises. Man, when you open up the Bible and you just, just say you start in Genesis 1, page 1, you start to read through, you're going to see that, that there were so many people that did great things for God in the Bible that had to take the trust test. Mother Teresa, who we all know of, was just an unbelievable saint uh, that reached millions of people. She said this. She said, I know God will not give me anything I can't handle. I just wish he didn't trust me so much. <laughs> you ever felt that way? <clears throat> so let's just say you start in Genesis 1. One of the guys you're going to run into is a guy named Noah. And he built this ark. Now, this past week, my wife and I traveled to Kentucky, and we went and saw the ark encounter, the life-size replica of the ark that was built to the specs in the Bible. And it was massive, and it was unbelievable. And I just stood there thinking, this guy and his family built this thing, man? This is crazy. But because he built that ark, because God was, the, the evil had just run rampant in the world, and God was grieved that he made humans, and God said, I'm going to just purge everything, and we're going to hit a do-over. And, and, and so it was built for Noah and his family, and Noah and his family built it, and it was an amazing thing. Noah trusted in God and not what was familiar because they had never experienced rain before that. They'd never experienced that. The Bible says the ground was watered from springs underneath the ground, so they'd never experienced that. So he trusted in God and not was what was familiar. Because I would have said, rain, what's that? I'm spending 100 years of my life building an ark. He passed the trust test. Then you have Abraham, who God challenged him, if you really love me and want to be obedient, I want you to sacrifice Isaac, which is 
crazy. But he trusted in God and not his personal feelings. And of course, we know that God didn't allow him to do it. Joshua, when he was crossing the Jordan River, you know, God says, I want you to step into this river first, and then you'll see how I'm going to allow you guys to cross over. Now, you and I would go, "Uh uh-uh, I want to see the bridge first, and then we'll step out. He had to step out in faith first before he saw the provision. And then David fighting Goliath, you know, this giant, nine feet tall plus, is is coming against the armies of Israel. They're scared to death. And uh, David... David says, man, I'm going to take on this dude. He's, he's blaspheming my God and my people. And, and Saul says, here, put on my armor, the king's armor. And he's like, I can't fight in this stuff. So he runs out there in his tunic or whatever he had, a sling. And he sees that God delivered the whole nation. He didn't trust in man's armor. He trusted in the living God. So there were people all through Scripture that had to pass the trust test. So as we close today, our, our band's going to come back out. And we're going to take a trust test. Now, let me just say this right off the bat, that if you're with us today and you're a guest, uh, this does not apply to you. And I don't want you to feel any pressure or anything like that. This is for the Harbor family. And we certainly want you to be a part of the Harbor family. But this is um, kind of one of those series that we've been talking about in-house as a family matter. And so uh, if you're visiting with us, we hope it's a blessing to you. But don't feel any pressure. Um, In Malachi, it's probably one of the most well-known verses in the Bible when it comes to giving. And um, it's the only place that you'll find that God says, test me. Test me in this. So just check this out. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. And if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So you might be asking the question, so pastor, are you telling me that God will take care of me in every area of my life, including finances, if I put God first? And I would say, no, I'm not telling you that. God is telling you that. That's what God is saying, not me. And this is not a harbor test. It's a trust test. It's a, the principle is this. In the areas that I obey, God blesses. In the areas that I disobey, God will discipline me to, to get me on the right track. And so one of the, one of the first ways that, uh, to take an inventory, one of the first ways to get on the track of, of, of being faithful uh, in giving to God is, is tithing. It's a, it's a principle that we see all the way back in Genesis with Abraham, um, all the way through Jesus. Um, that, that God owns it all and that, you know, God wants us to be reminded constantly that he is the source. And so he asks us to tithe, which is a 10, 10%, um, which is the bare minimum of, of what he's blessed us with. And, um, and you just need to know that, you know, it's, for us, it's not about getting any more finances. That, that's, listen, we know who our source is here. The seats that you're sitting on were paid for by someone that came before you because of their generosity. So, you know, we trust in God. And so it's not about that. We want you to be blessed. We want you to have financial freedom. We want you to not be so burdened down with debt that you're paying every month to credit card companies and all this. You feel like you're going nowhere. We want you to be free. And part of that starts with getting your priorities in the right place. 
And so we're going to step up to the plate. We've never done this before. My staff was scared to death when I, when, I, uh, when I mentioned this, but I always say, go big or go home. Just That was a joke, but it, it fell flat. It was terrible. It was so painful. I'm so offended right now. Um, so in, in the chair in front of you, there's a card. And, and let me just say this. If you already are a believer who you are giving God first place in your life and you're, you're tithing faithfully, you don't need to even worry about this. But if you're a believer in here and you're like, man, I really want to, to put God first in my life and I really want to step out in faith. I feel like God is speaking to me to do this. We had several after the first service that came up to me and said, God has been speaking to me to do this and I'm so excited. So this is the challenge. The, the, the trust test goes both ways. Take the three-month challenge, 90 days. Countless people experience God's blessings when they tithe, but often the first step is the hardest one to take. The three-month tithe challenge is a money-back guarantee of sorts. Essentially, it's a contract based on God's promises in Malachi 3. Here's our commitment to you. If you tithe for three months and God does not hold true to His promises, we will refund you 100% every dime of what you tithed in that three months. Now, don't come to me and go, yeah, I gave five grand in the cash and the offering. That ain't going to happen. Because <laughs> we got to be able to prove it. You understand? But if after three months you step out and say, I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to give 10% of, of everything God gives me off the top. And give it, get, Put him first place in the area of my life of finances. And God does not come through for you. We will give you every dime back. So I can't make it any easier for you to step out of faith than that. I mean, we're, we're putting our money where our, our mouth is. We're, 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 we believe in this principle so strong, I'm willing to step out. And if 500 of you come at the end of 90 days and want your money back, I might be looking for another job. I don't know. You know, maybe I could be a good Baptist guy, wouldn't I? Be a good Baptist guy? Okay, I don't know. Now, the thing is this. We trust God. So it's putting the Harbor Church into a trust test as well. We want to see you be blessed. So if God is putting this on your heart, I want you just to simply fill it out. In a few minutes when the offering comes, you can put it in the bucket or you can drop it off at the Connect Bar. But I want to share with you my commitment to you if you do this. Um, and I want you to only do it if you feel like God's leading you. Don't do it out of emotion. Um, this is my commitment to you. Number one, uh, I'll know who who did it because you're filling it out. I'm going to pray for you every 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 single week. Number two, I'm going to handwrite you notes along the way for those three months to encourage you, to let you know. It's not going to be a form letter. It's going to be for me to encourage you, let you know that we're standing with you and that you can do this. And, and then somewhere along that line, I'm going to send you some gifts, just some little books that can help you build your faith in this area. We, we are going to walk with you through this. And at the end of this time, if it's not what you thought it was going to be, we'll bless you back. Could we stand? I want to pray for you right now because I know there are people that God is speaking to. And I just want to close in prayer. And we're just going to sing another song and then we're going to be done. But I just want to pray for you. Father, I want to thank you for the believers in this room that, that have understood and recognized this stewardship principle, God, and they're faithful in their giving. They're faithful in their tithing. God, I want to thank you for that 
for the blessing they are to your kingdom. And I thank you for, in turn, blessing them on a regular basis. They're such a gift to the kingdom of God. And Lord, I want to pray for those today that are really considering stepping up and saying, God, I'm going to trust you in this area of my life. I pray that you would reveal your provision to them, that you would reveal to them, God, um, how aware you are of this step of faith, that you would meet their needs and bless them beyond measure. Father, I just pray for courage and strength, and I just pray, God, that when this 90-day challenge is over, Lord, that there'd be just a new perspective on, on their finances, on their life, because you have intervened. I thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.